You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to the Tinderbox. We are the podcast for Matchsticks and Gasoline, the Calgary Flames website for SB Nation. Mark, Maddie, Gordy here today. Uh, Gordy, probably not so much you. Maddie, how much snow are you getting tomorrow? Are you getting like what we're getting up here or are you getting nothing? So they still don't seem to know what we're getting, which is really annoying. I'm seeing anywhere between like 1 to 3 and 4 to 11. Inches or feet? Not helpful at all. (laughs) Well, yeah, because we uh, we started on where I live in Massachusetts. We live right on a highway called 495, which kind of splits. That's like where central Massachusetts starts because you people listening to this podcast in Alberta care about this so much. <laughs> but um, anyway, point is we're on that line all the time. And we started at five to eight, but now we're maybe 26 plus. So I, like, who knows what's going on? Like, all I know is I have to work a mandatory 11 hour overtime shift tomorrow in the snow. So hooray for me. People need to know it's snowing. So they need the news to tell them it's snowing. They just can't look out their window. Gordy, how are you? Very good. I fully expect you to find out Jerome McGinley in that snowstorm and find out his opinions. Right. Unfortunately, I think he's back up with you guys now. He is no longer a Massachusetts resident hanging out down here. So, <laughs> yes, the uh, if you guys don't know that story, the television station I worked for, the Fox affiliate in Boston, interviewed a man at a rest stop last year during a snowstorm that turned out to be Jerome Ginla getting gas in Newton, Massachusetts at 6 a.m. And nobody had any idea they were interviewing a future NHL Hall of Famer. And it was just like Jerome from Canada. <laughs> it was like his name. It was awesome. And they were talking about snow. And he's like, well, where I come from, I like winter. We like snow. I'm used to snow. It's no big deal. Jerome from Canada. So he likes the snow. All right, let's hop right in. Flames and Blues last night. Uh, Calgary came back down to earth, losing 5-1 to one to St. Louis after absolutely annihilating them and then doing horrible, horrible things to the Columbus Blue Jackets as well. Um, we'll get into the Flames Blues in one second. Uh, how would that game against Columbus? 62 shots on goal, six goals going in. I mean, it was just it was one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen. Maddie, your opinions on the Flames' absolute dismantling of that poor Columbus team? I mean, I think every Blue Jacket skater owes Elvis Merzlikens a handwritten apology. Right? <laughs> that was insane. Gordy, his save percentage went up. During a game where he gave up six goals, like it's like, like your takeaways from that game. Yeah, like the Flames, I think have done it a couple times where they'll have like twenty or twenty-five shots after the first period, and they're on you know the pace for the sixty shots, but they always kind of falter off. And yeah, that game they just they didn't give old Elvis a single second to kind of recover. I mean, sixty-two shots—that's more than one shot a minute for the entire game, which is kind of insane. <laughs> Right. It, it kind of felt like last night, too, like Michael Backlund was going to be on pace for 62 shots last night. He seemed like he was like one of the few Flames players completely engaged in that game. Uh, I think he had seven shots on net. He's got now two goals. Uh, he's got back to back games with goals. So maybe he's coming around. But uh, last night, I think you look at that game it was bound to happen. St. Louis was not going to let Calgary come into that building and wipe the floor clean with them. As a matter of fact, they were. Uh, Calgary was four and 10 in their last 14 games going into St. Louis last night. Uh, Maddie, your impressions on last night? 
Yeah, it just it seemed like they kind of ran out of gas a little bit, which I was fully expecting after a game where you put up 62 shots. Like, you're not going to be able to maintain that for <laughs> much longer. I know. They got to one point where they had like 20. It was like you look at the thing like, oh, they only have 23 shots on goal tonight. Like only 23 shots on goal. Uh, Gordy, your impressions last night. Yeah, I mean, hockey is kind of a very statistical sport. So when the other night when Calgary had seven goals and St. Louis had eight shots, you know, that this this matchup coming in the same week was was just not going to go that way. And honestly, I didn't think the Flames played too badly. I think all three of those first St. Louis goals, like they just scored on the opportunities they were given. I, I don't think they'd had like um, sustained pressure up to that point or anything. It was just bad turnover, bad rush out of nowhere, and they scored every time. So, you know, those games are going to happen. I don't think Markstrom was on his best game, but it's after the two they've just played, you, you definitely expect a game like that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't expect Calgary to go in there and beat St. Louis like they would like five to one, like the final score ended up being. I think St. Louis was not going to put up with that on their home ice. They probably got a slight talking to in the locker room after the game. And as you mentioned, Gordy, I took a screen cap of that game and I was like, is really seven goals to nine shots? Like, that's insane. I was like, I was kind of hoping that maybe the Flames will get nine goals and they'll match them, you know, <laughs> nine for nine. Like, it was just one of the, the craziest things. Then the 62 shot game, somewhere Ron Tugnut's like twitching on his couch, you know, <laughs> hearkening back to his game against the Bruins. But, um, so Markstrom, okay, last night his defense definitely let him get down a couple times. The roller coaster that is now becoming that that last defensive pairing of Zadorov and Goodbranson is like one night it's like, yeah, and then the next night you're like gripping the the oh crap wheel in the car as it's coming around the corner. Uh Maddie, uh Markstrom, no, but like that bottom pairing kind of needs to either be good or bad so they can figure something out, right? Yeah, uh wasn't like really loving the defense helping help he was getting there but uh, I don't know I'm so I mean not surprised that Markstrom started but like kind of surprised I'm not into it Gordy uh that speaking of that bottom defensive pairing did you like a Branson checking somebody right into his own goalie because he was mad (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's it's definitely a situation of uh as time's gone on those two are maybe (laughs) devolving as they say and uh, at, at least they hit their own players and not um, referees, as I think will come this up is true. <laughs> Yes, we will definitely get into that segment. Um, so, Vladar, um, I, I did the preview yesterday, and I popped him in as the starter. I was convinced he was going to start. Um, but then you listen to Sutter's comments afterwards. He's like, well, he hasn't won a game in a month. And it's like, well, he's only played three games in, like, 40-something days. He, you know, he got hung out to dry in Carolina. Um He's got to start at some point because Calgary's got this huge homestand coming up. Maddie, um, I, I think we all agree Markstrom wasn't great, but he wasn't terrible last night. But would you have been open to Vladar? Like, would you have been like, you wouldn't have like, you know, picked yourself up off the floor if you saw him starting last night now? Yeah. And I think especially with how we've seen kind of things kind of spiral pretty quickly with Markstrom when he gets overworked. I think you want to be managing your goalies well under normal circumstances, but in a case like that, like you really need to kind of know your goalie there and be aware of how tired he might be and just be, yeah, extra cognizant of that here. And yeah, I'm nervous. I mean, we all know that, 
Daryl Sutter likes to ride his goalies. Like he doesn't like using backups. He doesn't pull you from a game if you're struggling. But Gordy, um, you know, Markstrom's been fine this year. He's been really good. Um, he had another shutout the other night. His league leading sixth. I think he's what two off of Mika Kiprasov's um, record, which is tops within the organization. But Markstrom's not Kiprasov. Kiprasov could start seventy games a season, like no sweat. It was he had nothing else to do. It was like that or go fishing. Um, like, what are your thoughts? I mean, obviously, clearly Markstrom isn't Kiprasov. So, uh, but what's Sutter going to do here to get Vladar in the lineup? Yeah, like knock on wood, Markstrom's issues clearly with starting aren't injury related. He he has this kind of mental fatigue where he starts to let in weaker goals or do kind of crazy stuff as he plays more. And like, I get that he had a pretty easy start against Columbus the night before, but like in this era of NHL hockey, where you're carrying two competent goaltenders, like there's, there's really just no reason to start a goalie on a back to back like that, uh, especially with these huge gaps in their schedule. Like you're saying, they just need to get Vladar back in. It's easy to say he hasn't had a, a win in a month, but when you're not given that many opportunities, it's, it's hard to prove yourself. And yeah, he was, he played a really good team in Carolina. He got hung out to dry by his team. I thought in San Jose. So I don't, I'm not a fan of playing goalies back to back ever. It just seems like a recipe for disaster. And Markstrom wasn't bad in St. Louis, but I mean, there's a couple of shots. You wonder if he would have saved it even the night before. So, I mean, we, we all know Sutter's record with a, highly paid starting goalie like he'd, he'd ride kippers off until he couldn't play anymore and i you know markstrom is not like you said not the goal you can do that with so he's got to find some load management here to finish out the season and honestly put some confidence back in vladar yeah because i think the flames have played like 10 games this month and vladar's only played two uh markstrom's been in there for eight so it's you know, and I mean, Vladar didn't exactly get, you know, the easiest starts ever. He got the 6-3 loss um, at Carolina, where the Flames just did not play well at all in that game, where we kind of beat from the start, gave up six goals on 37 shots, which wasn't, you know, obviously not his best performance of the season. You'd think he'd like to get back in there. Um, and then I believe his other start was, uh, where are we? Looking at yeah, it was at Tampa. So he did, he did back-to-backs with Tampa and Carolina. So it's not like, you know, he was exactly put in great winning situations either as a backup goaltender be like oh hey here's two of the three best teams in the league go have at it markstrom needs a couple nights off where he's hurt you know because he did have that little spell where he was injured or whatever was going on with him at that point so yeah uh vladar needs to get back in there um he hasn't been great in his last couple starts as we mentioned but he's also played two great teams and at some point you have to get better by playing the game so maybe we'll see we're gonna have to see him soon otherwise you're just gonna look and markstrom's just gonna be a puddle in the crease because mentally and physically he's absolutely gonna get worn down um do the Flames need to make a move for somebody? Uh, we're seeing secondary scoring, right? The Flames are actually doing things outside of Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Kachuk, um, which it's funny, like the one night those two don't go off, look what happens. The Flames lose 5-1. to one. They have been absolutely ridiculous the last 10, the last the six-game point streak they had. I did the math. Gaudreau had two goals and 14 assists, and Kachuk had six goals and nine assists. I mean, it's 29 points between two guys in six games. Their play has been ridiculous, but we've sort of started to see other players coming in, right, man? We've seen Backlund. We've seen Branson score. Rizitska's put a couple pucks in, so Monaghan's getting a little warmer-ish. Like, do the Flames have enough right now with secondary scoring, or should they be looking to add somebody? 
<laughs> For those of you who can't see, Maddie's kind of like, eh, not so sure. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things where, like, I feel okay about the secondary scoring right now, but I don't know how much I'm banking on them not just falling off a cliff at some point. Um, ask me next week. I don't know. <laughs> okay, Gordy, we'll fire that one down to you. Uh, Monahan's kind of come out of nowhere. It's like Frankenstein's monster, or he's like, He's like a zombie from Night of the Living Dead. The hands come out of the ground, and all of a sudden, Sean Monaghan can play hockey again, which is great. That's a good thing. Um, Backlund's been playing a little bit better, though. He did hit a pipe on a completely wide-open net, had a puck roll off his stick. Like He's he had a tough night last night, despite being the Flames' best player. Do they have enough right now, or is there somebody they should be targeting? Yeah, like their problem earlier in the year definitely was nobody in you know the bottom nine could really seem to get it going outside a couple guys. But honestly, I, I still think they have way too many spare part forwards. Like you put in Rizichka now for three games and he puts puts two points in those, which I mean that that's already totaling Pitlick's output for the season, right up there with Richardson, Richie. Like there there's a, just a ton of these guys that just kind of go out there every night, chips the chip the puck out, four check. So I mean they they're gonna need some more scoring, I think, on that third line. Like you said, Coleman, Backlund, Mangiapane, Monahan have all started to play better recently. So maybe you find enough there to fill a second line. But I still think their their forward depth, especially towards the bottom, will probably need more than just a Band-Aid like Brad usually picks up at deadlines. That bottom defensive pairing too, like we say, like that's going to need some work, but with the with the types of defensemen that are out there on the market right now, they're they're not really third pairing defensemen. Like Montreal's ask for Ben Sherrod is way too high for a guy like the Flames would deploy there. John Klingberg, other guys that are just going to cost way too much. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes. And honestly, on the topic of Ladar again, on the other side of him playing good, the Flames have a situation coming up very soon where Dustin Wolf is going to be competing for NHL starts and Markstrom signed long-term. So the, the odd guy out here is going to be Vladar who, I mean, if you get him playing really well again and you get him to this uh, uh, status yet at the beginning of the year, he's a cost controlled young goaltender that they could potentially move as a trade piece at this deadline. So what we'll see, I, I think they, they need to improve their bottom six, but that's a lot easier said than done. Yeah, everybody's always throwing out there. Oh, you know, you know, bottom six definitely needs. Everybody's like, oh, top the top six forward. Well, those don't just fall out of the sky, and they're not cheap either. Like, if you want a top six forward, you're paying for a top six forward. You're not just going to get somebody. Maddie, uh, defensively, I think we all agree. You know, I think I last week I went to my support group and I admitted that Zadorov is becoming a problem. Um, but like, is Michael Stone potentially an option there for like the Flames? Stone has barely played. I think he's played in what one game this season. He's done nothing, but he's a veteran who, when you put him on the ice, you absolutely know what you're going to get from Michael Stone every night. Um, is that maybe an ad just by pulling a guy out, or maybe bringing up Valamaki, or is Valamaki a trade piece, or is he forgotten? You know, there. Are, I feel like there are options within this team, but are they good enough? Yeah, I mean, like categorically stone is an option but i don't know if it's like a great one um he doesn't really move the needle too much for me i think valimaki is something but i don't have a great sense of what the organization thinks they have with him or like what they're even doing uh so that doesn't feel great but 
you have some options. I think I would like to see them at least try to upgrade. But yeah, like Gordy said, it's it's not going to be easy. Gordy, did you see either of those two players as an option maybe for the Flames? I mean, they they have them in their sort of sort of semi known commodities. Yeah, Daryl Sutter is not really secretive with how he feels about guys on a <laughs> daily basis. So the fact I think that Stone's been healthy this entire season and has only got in for whatever he said one or two games, like he's he's just a emergency body. Valimaki, I think, couldn't be further in Sutter's doghouse. Like I don't really see how he makes it back onto the roster. But I mean, they did finally call up Connor Mackey. He's been sitting on the taxi squad for a couple of days now. And he's he can play both the left and right side. It'd be nice to see him get into a game here with Zadorov and Goodbranson struggling a bit. But yeah, like Michael Stone is he's a loyal guy that's kind of hung around this organization as a depth piece. But yeah, I don't I don't think he's by any means an answer. I mean, I guess at the end of the day, Michael Stone's just kicking back, being like, "You guys want to pay me to sit around and do nothing? I'll get paid to sit around and do nothing." <laughs> Seems like the Flames love doing is being like, "Michael, how much money do you want to do nothing? All right, here's a bunch of cash. You just go sit there and maybe you'll play a couple games." Um, and I think you're right about Sutter. He does let everybody know like how he feels. Uh, Michael and I were talking about it the other day. Poor Rosicka goes out and has a pretty good game the other night, scores a goal, and then. Sutter's like, well, he's got to get better. He's got to do this, this, and then he's basically said everybody did the work for him. All he did was score. You know, so it's like <laughs> you feel kind of bad for the kid because he's like, hey, look at I'm in the NHL. I'm doing. And his coach is like, ah, yeah, but everybody's helping you out. He's like, yeah, Johnny made a great pass to him. Like, what's he supposed to do? You know. So I guess you know whatever. So we'll we'll see how things go with that. I just I think the Flames are like a player or so off and they still have plenty of time too. I mean, they're out of the wild card right now still, but they still have so many games to make up. They are climbing up in the division and can we just real quickly touch upon the fact that you know, we did like a I did a game preview or I did something where I was looking up stats and at one point I was like, god, Drysidle is so much further ahead of Gaudreau points wise. Like in the standings, like he's just having such a good season. And I opened it up today just to give it a look and Gaudreau is like closing in on Drysidle. Drysidle I think has 59 points to lead the league. Gaudreau has 51. Um it could just touch really quickly upon his run lately. I mean, the fact that he's just taken things over as a player, Maddie. Um and I know you want to see him in orange and black, but like you got to appreciate what's happening right now with him. Definitely. And we were actually kind of talking about this recently in the BSH Slack, just in terms of the Flyers now going harder on retooling. I don't know what they're doing, but it seems <laughs> losing like... lots of games. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the answer. Um, but with how they're probably going to be clearing up some space heading into this offseason they're like are they expecting that they're gonna be able to sign johnny and i'm kind of asking like you know he's playing really well in calgary now and he's not beefing with the coach openly and things are going better like can he stay will he <laughs> yeah I, i'm kind Everything's of one of those people good now i'm kind of one of those like just enjoy the ride while it's happening because you don't want to look too far into the future gordy but you look at what him and Kachuk have done. Like, is it possible match deals for the two of them and bring them back and just be because they're, I mean, uh, Kachuk now is one goal behind McDavid for 10th in the league in goals. You know, he's just clicked the two of them. And honestly, Lindholm is the offensive guy is the forgotten guy on that line, you know, because Gaudreau <laughs> and Kachuk have played so well. Um, how do they bring them both back? Yeah. Like I, I think every day now I'm on cap friendly, just, 
looking at who comes off the books next year, how much they're going to have to pay these guys. Cause I mean, God, the best, uh, the best off season I think they could have now would just be keeping the gang together. Like they have just an elite, elite top line. It seems insane that these three were never put together at any point until really last year. And wow. Like, I don't, I don't know if I've ever seen Goudreau play with this much confidence. Whoever, whoever told him to do this, like, crook of the arm high glove shot in the offseason is an absolute hockey genius like Johnny Gaudreau has been the Flames best shooter this season and this is one year removed from um the Johnny breakaway Johnny five hole uh comments yet again he's he's just become this absolutely insane shooter and it's just it's so fun to watch him night in and night out yeah Maddie maybe like the the Flames could do like a a deal that um the Penguins did with Lemieux be like, listen, we can't give you all the money right now, but you can have stock in the franchise. And maybe when it's sold, you can make (laughs) millions and millions of dollars down the road. But yeah, it just seems like those two guys have to be the priority. It seemed like at the beginning of the year, it was like Manjapani has got to be the priority, you know, because you could probably get him cheaper. Now his stock is probably leveled to where it should be, but I don't envy Brad for living for a million different reasons, but having to do the math to figure out how to get Gaudreau and Kachuk back here for long-term while dealing with all the other moving parts. I mean, I I did the math a couple of weeks ago and was like, all right, so there's like $7 million that'll free up at the end of the season, (laughs) just like in garbage, like the Lewis's, the Richie's, the Pitlick's, the Zadorov's, those guys. So money's got to come from somewhere else. And you feel like it might be a guy like Sean Monaghan on the outs where they could save some money by dealing him, but then you're going to have to bring money back. So I don't know. Did you have have something, Maddie? I thought you were putting your hand Oh, no, I was scratching. Okay, fair enough. Not raising my hand. Fair enough. On that note, we're going to take a quick break here on the Tinderbox. When we come back, we have an anniversary to discuss. A painful, painful anniversary, along with Evander Kane is back in the NHL. We'll talk about, oh, someone's eyes rolled so far back in their head. They came back around like a slot machine. We'll be back on the Tinderbox. And welcome back to the Tinderbox. We are the podcast for Matchsticks and Gasoline, the Calgary Flames website for SB Nation. Mark, Maddie, Gordy here today. Um, we'll get to the eye roll in a minute, but six years ago last night in Nashville, in those horrific third uniforms with the, what were they, the, what were they called, Gordy? The pajamas. Just, <laughs> the pajamas. We'll just go with that. I was trying to think of like those, those like the rodeo font, whatever it yeah. was. <laughs> Dennis, Dennis Wyman decided to run over NFL, NHL official Don Henderson in one of the most bizarre incidents I've ever seen. And I was going through like the, I was like, I feel like I wrote a lot about Dennis Wyman. Like I knew way too much. And like half of it was defending Dennis Wyman. And then the other half was like, what, what, what is going on? We had 12 columns. I wrote eight of them. Like I knew more about Dennis Wyman than I ever needed to know. Uh, Gordy, any memories of Dennis Wyman and the night that he absolutely lost his mind and was probably concussed out of his mind at the same time? Yeah, I still don't know if there's ever been a hockey player. I just watch over and over and like, it's just so indescribable what happened because like the hit that he took right before that play, like it wasn't that hard. Like I, I understand concussions can happen any variety of ways and he did hit his head on the glass and stuff, but just watching him skate back to the bench and just truck the ref, like even six years later, it's just, it's just so insane that, yeah, I, I don't even know what to say about it. It's crazy that it's been that long ago, honestly. 
It's my favorite gif of all time is someone did a cartoon and it's Weidman standing there in front of Batman and Batman's like, Dennis, how are you? And Weidman goes up and punches him in the face <laughs> and he falls to the ground. He's like, sorry, still having concussion symptoms. Like, it's just one of those like things like Maddie, I, I watched the game and it happened. And I was like, that just didn't happen. He looked like, and gorgeous, like, he didn't even, it didn't, it didn't go out of his, he just went right through Henderson. Henderson never officiated again. Um, the league, he sued the league. They sued Weidman, they, everything. Uh, Maddie, do you have any, uh, any thoughts on this wonderful Lancinet and Flames history? Uh, this was slightly before my time. So I oh. <laughs> have been like refreshing from oh. a distance today, but just wild. Yeah, it's just one of those, uh, and not to dwell on it too much, but like there was a, there's a podcast called Toast Dispatch. They're out of St. Louis and I used to do podcasts with them and all of a sudden it became like a yearly thing. It was like, oh my God, we need to talk about Weidman again because he played with the Blues, he played with the Flames and it's it's our joke. So last night I'm like, hey, it's our anniversary. They're like, what anniversary? I'm like, Weidman. They're like, oh my God, Weidman Anderson six years ago. Like just, just such a bizarre, and that was like the end of Dennis Weidman who for a long time was one of the flames best offensive defensemen in that wild west bob hartley era so i can't first off that's a sentence i can't believe was ever just said <laughs> about dennis wyman um evander kane let's switch topics to another topic that's yeah with not a lot of people really thrilled with evander kane coming back into the league um not a lot of people thrilled with connor mcdavid last week okaying it that it was cool for him to come to edmonton um maddie have at it uh kane is back in the league after COVID issues, domestic violence issues, gambling issues. Uh, go ahead. The floor is yours. I think the Oilers should be ashamed of themselves. Apparently he got booed last night in the arena too when it was announced that they had signed him. <laughs> like, was, like so there's nothing more Edmonton than be like, hey, we got this guy. And the fan base being like, boo. Someone on Twitter said today they're going to buy an Evander Kane Oilers jersey just so they can throw it on the ice. <laughs> just to show the displeasure. Gordy, uh, Kane's back. Your thoughts. My favorite uh, thing from this was there's like a fake Ken Holland account on Twitter who tweeted that they got Patrick Kane for whatever, $2.1 million. <laughs> I couldn't believe he was a free. I just love that so much because that's just pure Oilers. There's there's definitely this thing in hockey recently where um, teams seem to try to overlook skill over off-ice stuff. I really don't think like Tony D'Angelo should have ever been in the NHL again after – his myriad of problems, but I mean, he's puts up assists for the hurricane. So I guess that forgives him for everything. And a similar situation is going to go on with Kane here where, I mean, let's be real. He's probably going to have some success with McDavid or Dreisaitl, but I mean, that doesn't excuse how he's chosen to conduct himself for the past couple of years. And I mean, it's, it's unfortunate, but that's a pretty Edmonton move, quite honestly. And honestly, Maddie, it kind of adds a new wrinkle, too, to the Battle of Alberta, because, you know, somebody like Matthew Kachuk is just like drooling, foaming at the mouth right now. The chance to go out there and play against Kane and knock him around. Um, I mean, unfortunately, does it make the Battle of Alberta now even more interesting, even more volatile? I mean, it kind of feels like it. Uh, it's definitely something. Uh, Gordy, there was a tweet today. I mentioned it in our pre-thing. Someone said the flame should uh, sign Dustin Buffa. <laughs> Bufflin out of retirement and have him come in just so he can smash Kane around a couple of times. Uh, would you be on board with that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I just I just love it. I joked earlier. I'm like, we can have two guys on the team whose names are completely spelled differently than how they're pronounced. We'd have Bufflin and Shillington who are by Fuggelin and Killington. So, you know, it'd be it'd be a nice little mix. But yeah, I, I don't imagine Bufflin's coming out of retirement. But uh 
I think Kane makes it for better or worse, more interesting the rest of the season when the flames meet and, you know, puts an added burr in the flame side when he comes in, because if he is playing well, it's going to make everybody miserable. Right. All right. I guess we can wrap up our, our cane talk with that. Go, go, go Oilers. You guys are doing all the good stuff, but he's happy in Edmonton. You're on a losing streak. Nobody's happy. And you're bringing in Evander Kane. You're getting booed by your own fans. Good times. Good times. All right. So the Flames uh, looking ahead at the schedule Saturday. They are at Vancouver. Oddly, not the first time they're playing Vancouver this season. Like, it's crazy that they haven't played the Canucks yet. Um, then uh, they're on the road. Are we sorry? Yeah. Sorry. They're home against the Canucks. I apologize for that. Home Saturday. Then they go on the road for two. Dallas and the Coyotes. The Coyotes, by the way, a, uh, a team that looking for a home playing in a 5,000 seat college stadium at Arizona state. Let's, let's discuss this for a little bit. Cause this to me is the sign of a franchise. That's not even circling the drain. They're already, already going down the drain to the toilet, into the pipe. Uh, Maddie, your thoughts on like, I'm going to real quickly get this out of the way. Gary Bettman won't bring the whalers back to Hartford because their arena is too small, but he's going to let the freaking coyotes play in an arena with 5,000 people. Maddie go. It's insane. And like, I saw, I forget who tweeted it, but somebody said something about, like, if the oil, or not the, the senators, <laughs> um, Ottawa senators, there we go, there's my O, um, tried to, like, move to play in whatever the name of the arena is in Gatineau, uh, like, there would be city council meetings and the league would be stepping in tomorrow and trying to fix this, but, like, because it's the coyotes they're just letting it happen like this is so embarrassing according i mean five thousand people like the flames have nine thousand with covid restrictions at games like the arizona is going to go the coyotes are going to cap out at five thousand people at a college arena i mean that just doesn't seem right to me like hearing five thousand still sounds like a lot of people. So when I first heard that, I'm like, okay, like at least they'll fill an arena. But then, like I saw a picture of that ASU surface. It's just like, God, like it's so small. It's it's like one half of an NHL bowl, yeah. and like the roof is so like I don't even know what that would look like on camera. How they'd get camera crews in? Like, oh, it's just so embarrassing and like you said, like Hartford and all these other teams that have just been relocated so quickly for less, the Batman's like doing everything he can to keep this team in Arizona and they just don't care. <laughs> like, no. The fact that they weren't even paying their bills, like, ah, we forgot to pay the arena. Our bad. We forgot the rent. Sorry. You can turn the utilities off. We have water and cable. You know, It's just like, it just seems so bizarre that that's a professional sports team. So last night, Somebody tweeted out, you know, that they were moving there and someone's like, this is where they should move. And they put the Quebec flag. So I did a screenshot of the map of Hartford and I circled Hartford. And I'm like, if these guys are going to go anywhere, they should go to Hartford. And Maddie's colleague, Kelly, from Broad Street Hockey, picked up my tweet and said, uh, you missed something and circled something at the bottom, bottom just below Hartford, where I had circled Hartford is a place called a dong supermarket. <laughs> 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 and I was like, I was so mad at myself for missing that. And I'm like, now I want to take a road trip to Hartford just to go and just say, I've been to a dong supermarket. So anyway, that's our relocation talk for today. Um, back to the flame schedule. Um, so they get through the college team in, in Arizona and then they come home for a, a streak where it's the, it's Vegas, Toronto, the Islanders, the blue jackets, the ducks, the Kraken and the jets one on the road at Vancouver and then Minnesota comes in. So the flames finally get some home cooking, but, um, Home hasn't exactly been where the heart is, Maddie, for Calgary. Um, what are you making of this 
nine game or seven games in 12 days homestand for the Flames in February? Uh, that is a lot of games. And I don't envy them having to just like actually go through that. Um, I don't know. It's I'm not like worried about it. There's yeah. like anybody in there that really, really scares me. So um, hopefully they just don't mess it up. Yeah, and I think you bring a good point up too that there's nobody in there that's super scary. Like Gordy, like it would be bad if the Flames came home and had to play, you know, those seven games against, say, Florida, Tampa, Toronto, Colorado, Nashville, St. Louis, and like Vegas, you know. But I mean, still in that mix, Vegas is atop the division. Anaheim's playing well. You know, Vancouver's at the bottom, Seattle's at the bottom. We saw what the Blue Jackets have to offer. Uh, Winnipeg's always a tough out with the Flames. Um, you know, can the Flames kind of beef up that home record and show that they can play at the Saddle Dome? Even maybe this is their way of saying, hey, we need a new arena. Look how bad we suck here. Yeah, like as, as detrimental as uh, the, this mentality will probably be come trade deadline. Like hopefully there's a few more Justin Falks up there who are, you know, they they come to Canada, they come to Calgary and they're they're a little rattled by what's going on here. And I mean, that's not going to be good for the Flames trying to acquire players, but and I, I think the one game there that we'll definitely have to circle will be Giordano's longtime uh, coming reunion now, as it was supposed to be in December. I think that got rescheduled to February. And unfortunately, he seems to have an insane ability to score on the Flames. I think he's like two goals and two assists in a preseason and a regular season game now. So it's love, love the guy. Don't want them to trade for him, and he hope they doesn't score on it. <laughs> yeah, he scored I he scored a goal in the preseason game and then in the Flames 6-4 win, he scored the opening goal of the game as well. So it's just another case of it's like it's like Derek Ryan scoring in Edmonton the first goal on opening night. You know, it's just old Flames and like to come back and sh- and Bennett, yeah. Yeah. Bennett who's having quite the season. Everybody's really upset about that. He's finally a 20 goal scorer. It's great. It only took what 25 years to be a 20 goal scorer. So congratulations. Good for you, Sam Bennett. Hooray for you. Um, anybody got anything else they want to add before we wrap up? Um, you know, we got, we got no, no hockey tonight, just Saturday, uh, versus the lowly, lowly, lowly Vancouver Canucks. Anybody got an opinion on that game? I kind of think Calgary should probably handle that one easily. No, Maddie. Yes. <laughs> Gordy. You spoke about Buffalo's goalies earlier. I think Vancouver's on to their fourth or fifth string goalie by now too. So got to take which advantage means, of that. Which <laughs> means he's going to post like a 45 save shutout against the Flames because he's a rookie and he'll be making like his, his debut in Calgary most likely. And he's probably like from Alberta somewhere too. So it'll just all be against the Flames that night uh, for sure. Um, I guess finally, last thing, uh, Real quickly, all-star games coming up, jerseys, uniforms, this whole thing. There's this whole thing right now where people are redesigning the Flames uniforms like because they think they should change them again because they're getting a third. And I'm, it's driving me insane. Like They're going to get a third jersey next year. Is this really that hard for the league to screw up? Should they? Can they just bring Blasty back? Like, what, uh, Gordy, like, uh, you've gone, you've, the Flames options of jerseys, right? I think I own one of every single jerseys they've ever had, right? There is really no other jersey to bring back, right? The pedestal doesn't need to make an appearance, does it? Yeah, I think I saw your tweet. Like the Flames have the or absolute peak combo of jerseys right now. Like nothing will ever be better than the two primaries they have right now. The pedestal was like quite insulted and hated, but just like every other jersey, apparently it also has to come back. I I didn't know the reverse retro thing was only a 
one season gimmick. So finding out Blasty wasn't being used this year was pretty sad. So just br- bring that one back as the third. And you have, I think you said, like, that's the perfect trifecta. Don't need to touch it at all. Yeah, no, I like, I love the current home and road sets. You know, I mean, maybe just fix it up a little bit. Give them white white pants when they go on the road. You know, Maddie, uh, you got and for Gordy, we need to change the chin straps. Just change the colors of the chin strap. Red helmet, red chin strap. Black helmet, black chins. Not that hard. They're chin straps. They're very inexpensive. I think they're like seven eight dollars a piece. Uh, Maddie, uh, your thoughts on uh, Blasty, or you got something? I kind of have an idea, but uh, let's hear from you first. Like, if they have to bring back a third, do you like Blasty or? Definitely Blasty, hundred percent. I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't um, scream and yell horribly if they brought back the original Heritage Classic, the Ronald McDonald yellow and red stripe. Mm-hmm. I think those, I, I love those jerseys because I love like the off white pants that I just think they're fantastic. And Gordy, I know you have. I heard you groan, so happen. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was it. Was agreement. I think they if they oh, get rid of those white white pants. I think people will be a lot more receptive to them. Yeah, I just, I, those jerseys were just awesome. They look so good outside. But yeah, so I guess they get in a reverse retro. I don't like that it changes all the time because then you're going to make up a uniform or a jersey that doesn't really fit like what the Flames have. You know, like the, the pedestal is fine. It's it's a dark time in Flames history for sure. You know, wins loss wise and people coming and going. Um, you know, and there's no really, I mean, you could bring back, I guess, the 04 jerseys maybe i mean they're fine they're similar to everything else but just bring back blasty nhl just give them blasty back everybody went out and bought those was all excited like oh it's a one-year thing and now we got nothing so all right and that concludes the fashion talk uh portion of the program um we're gonna wrap it up anything else maddie you got anything uh anything flyers related you want to get to because flyers twitter doesn't seem very happy place right now um everybody's really mad about literally everything right now I'm looking forward to the draft and the Flyers can't hurt me anymore. Awesome. Maddie sounds like me during football season. Gordy, you got anything? No, I, I foolishly drafted Carter Hart in fantasy and I'm, I think I'm going to drop him. <laughs> All right. Well, fair enough. The Flyers are not doing anybody any favors. All right. Well, if you enjoyed this podcast, you can find us on Google Podcasts, iTunes, and Spotify. Just search up Matchsticks and Gasoline. You will find this episode of the Tinderbox, plus past episodes of the Tinderbox, plus past episodes of Mark and Michael's Musings, plus past episodes of Behind Enemy Lines. Flames and Vancouver Canucks for the first time from the Dome. Saturday night, 8 p.m. Mountain Time start, 10 p.m. for us on the East. Who's excited for 1 a.m. bedtime? Woo woo! After shoveling 274 inches of snow. Thank you very much for listening, and we will catch you all next time on the Tinderbox.